are here for a reason. Breaking down the brotherhood, one prayer at a time. Right on, right on, right on. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. Together. Son Cadre. Son Cadre. And this Son. was a, this was a Methodist church. This what was is? originally an African Methodist church, and they built a new church on 8th and Town Avenue and rented this to Azusa Mission, and eventually Azusa bought it. Now you were, uh, wasn't it true that uh, both of you received tremendous healings here at this spot? Yes, I received healing. I was deaf, and I God healed me. And now I can hear. How many years ago? Oh, that's been around 70 years ago. Somebody said healings don't last. Oh, they do. And sometimes I think I hear too much, but thank God for hearing. (laughs) You mean you really were were deaf? Deaf, yes. I couldn't go to school. You could not go to school? school. No. And what about you? Well, I had what we called TB in those days and tuberculosis, and it was a terrible experience. And I heard that... uh, there was a place uptown called Azusa Mission where they prayed for people and they got well. And I asked my mother to bring me and she eventually brought me. And through the laying on of hands and the prayer, God delivered me from that TB. And I have, know I'm delivered because of, not only because of the way I feel, but I have been examined by a lung specialist in World War One, and they said, nothing the matter with you, boy. Get out of here. Would you tell me how old you are? I'm 79 years old. Are last you really? November the 23rd, 1974. Hey, this is quite an exciting day to be alive, isn't it? Uh, Dr. Simon. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Right on Radio. My name is Jeff. Today's show is going to be quite interesting, I believe. And uh, I have a lot of stuff to show you. I will confess, I the rabbit holes were quite deep on this particular one, and I really struggled with the to bring you the right information in context of the series. Again, the purpose of the series is not to come against people, and certainly not to come against what God is doing, but to be able to show you and to help in our togetherness to discern what is of God and what is a counterfeit and what is of the flesh, because the flesh always pays a part in this. Uh, Before I get into the meat of this, I just, well, first of all, I I hope you don't mind. I'm just going to open up in a, in a very short prayer. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to do this podcast. I thank you for each and every one listening. Father God, I do pray for discernment, and I do pray that each one that hears the sound of my voice will go to your word and compare whatever information comes out, good, bad, agreeable, disagreeable, and find it from your word. And I pray the Holy Spirit will reveal 
to each and every person what the truth of your word says. And Lord, I count myself in on that. I want to know what the truth is of your word as well. And Lord, I just thinking of healing uh, after just watching the videos of, of what you have done for these people. Lord, I pray for healing of anyone in the audience who needs it. And Lord, strengthen each person that's here. Give them mental clarity to not fall into the trappings of the world. And Father, I had the privilege of speaking to someone earlier, Stephanie. And Lord, I just, I didn't plan this, but I I just pray, Lord Jesus, for healing in her body. And Lord, whatever needs to happen, I don't even know exactly what it is, but Lord, I pray your presence upon her. Lord, from nowhere else, but your presence and your blessed assurance that you are still in the miracle business because you are a good and mighty, gracious God. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Thank you very much for indulging me in that. And uh, yeah, I got to meet Stephanie. One of the great things about us doing My Liberty Stand is I get to talk to a lot of listeners uh, that uh, sign up uh, with us. And so if you're interested, go to My Liberty Stand. Actually, right now, actually, we're having a little bit of trouble with that software. Please just send a uh, email to writeonjeff at gmail.com. That's writeonjeff at gmail.com. And just put My Liberty Stand in the uh, subject matter, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Um, it'll be quick. Um, one announcement before I get into the <laughs> uh, broadcast, I hope you'll pay attention because it's pretty cool. You know, in, in December, I did a speaking engagement at uh, an event called Reckoning Fest, and there was a whole bunch of people there. Um, different belief systems. It was Christian Patriot event and all the people in there were good people, but there were certainly some people that hold different views, new age views, and they call themselves Christians. And and, and listen, everyone has their own path. Uh, each of us have fallen into discover, into deception at some point, and uh, we're alleviating some deception throughout this series. But uh, So I'm not judging anyone, but I went there with a pretty tough message. And I found a lot of love in that room. You know, I probably got hugged by at least a couple hundred people. And I had bragged about uh, what Chris Eric's baby Trump had really exceeded. I don't know how he did it. And I, and I say that sincerely for the ticket price. And the only thing I can say is I think he's trying to make himself a name as, an, as someone who holds events and he's delivering unbelievable value. I worked in that business for many years and uh, it would have been very hard to do. And it was over the top. It was better than what I think I could have done uh, even in my heyday. And I spent a lot of time talking with him, uh, baby Trump this week. And this event he's going to be doing on March 25th, uh, Reckoning Fest, March 25th, Dallas, Texas. It's a one-day event. It's all day. It includes your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner. 
a uh, whole bunch more. I, I There's some stuff that I'm privy to that he's not telling the public that is just going to wow everybody. And uh, he has asked me, and we discussed that uh, at first when he asked me, I said I just wasn't feeling it. And I didn't wasn't planning on going. But the Lord has definitely changed my mind on it. So I am going to be at Reckoning Fest on March 25th in Dallas. And I don't know what message I'm going to bring. Um, after the last one, I kind of told people that were there that uh, next time I come, I'm going to give you a happy message. And I pray that that's the case. Uh, in light of everything that I'm doing right now with this mass deception and everything else, I have a feeling it won't be a happy, happy message. But we'll be happy after the message is done because I'm going to bring some truths no matter what. Uh, if there's something the Lord has called me to, it's to not be afraid. Uh, even to, I'm not going to be there to please the people in the room. I'm going to be there to please an audience of one, and that's my Lord. And whatever he puts on my heart is what I'm going to share, and I'm going to start to fast and pray about it in advance. But man, I really want you to join me there. Uh, you'll be blown away. Um, it's an incredible value. Yeah, it can. It's a. It's I think two seventy five for a general ticket, but go for the VIP one. Trust me, <laughs> um, way better, way better, uh, which is about three hundred and fifty dollars. But it's incredible value. All your meals and there's a whole bunch of more stuff in there. When you look at the speaker lineup, um, that's incredible. But what's really the best thing about it is being there. Uh, in person with everyone in the room. Uh, that's where real connections are made. It's it's an amazing thing to be in a room with like-minded individuals. And even if some people are a little bit off in their doctrine or whatever, they're still like-minded. We all want the same thing. We all want to defeat evil. And so I'm going to invite you to go to reckoningfest.com. And when you go to purchase your ticket, there's a part that says a coupon code. And, it, and right now, before I believe it's March 3rd, you get 10% off the ticket. You get 10% carte blanche before March 3rd. But in that coupon ticket thing, put right on, all one word, I-R-I-G-H-T-O-N, in the coupon code right when you're going to put in your credit card and stuff like that. Make sure to put right on uh, in there. And uh, man, you're going to be blown away by this event. And, uh, and I can't wait to personally meet you. So thank you for your indulgence with that uh, commercial. And I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to be talking about the other speakers and stuff coming up uh, in future shows. So uh, if you're not interested, please just bear with me. Um, I work hard for you to give you this information and it's all free of course so um but that's a way that you can help support me uh by going there and meeting me because man i'm on an island i'm all alone i want to meet you i want to shake your hand i want to give you a hug and uh reckoning fest is definitely the place to do it uh you'll be blown away you really will be and i and i've put my reputation on the line saying that 
Um, okay, without further ado, this one was very tough for me because there's a lot. Well, right now we've got the Asbury Festival revival going on, and there's a lot of people saying a lot of negative things. There's a lot of people saying a lot of positive things. And I think at the end of the day, there's always going to be both. Because whenever there's something, if God shows up, the enemy's going to get in there. And sometimes it's just started on a false pretense. Um, and I think we're going to find a lot of stuff at this Asbury Festival. So if you're not familiar with Asbury Street Revival, it uh, is known as the birth of Pentecostal ministries, essentially. And and I want to be really clear, I'm not coming against Pentecostal uh, ministries at all in this. In fact, there's people that are extreme on both sides of this argument. You're either extreme, it's this way or it's no way, or you're extreme, that's of the devil. And, you know, and, and I find most people are wrong in doing this. So I prayerfully considered how to present the information to you. And I could do shows on this particular topic and the players that are in it uh, for, I could spend weeks on this, just telling you the truth. And I don't want to, because I want to get to the bigger point. And I hope that this part of the uh, series will just lend a hand to understanding in the future what some of the stuff comes up as, because what you're going to find in the mass deception that's happening in the church right now, first of all, all this stuff goes back to Nimrod. In fact, I'm going to make the argument uh, that it might even go back to the garden, <laughs> you know, uh, but this deception in the church uh, in modern times goes back to Azusa Street. Uh, a little bit before it, the Latter Rain Movement, then the Latter Rain Movement comes again. I'm going to be getting there next. But we have to understand the foundation of this. And, man, it's uh, an interesting thing. So we're talking about the Azusa Street Revival, that video that I opened up the broadcast with, where they were the two final living uh, witnesses to the Azusa Street Revival at the time of that recording. They were children when they went there, and they received healing. And as you can see, the healing was real. And obviously, I don't know those people, but they claimed to love Jesus. They said there was so much good stuff in there, and their lives were changed. So that was a, a really good testimony. And, and I want you to hold on to that because I'm going to give you a whole bunch of negative stuff as we go through this. Um, so the Azusa Street Revival was miracle healings and worship. Um, I say those words for a reason, miracle healings and worship uh, tongues as well. We're going to get into that. But what I can find out from reading articles, and I've done a ton of research, as I said, I could put so much stuff on here. You can go back on newspapers.com 
and find articles written by the people and written at the time. And there's so much stuff, but what seems evident to me is there was a lack of the giving of the word of God. Okay. There was a lot of signs and wonders. And that's also important for you to hold on to as we go through it. Um, Again, I feel it's important to give a statement of my personal beliefs. And if you don't believe these things, this video probably is not for you. If you do have the same beliefs as me, then perhaps share this video with someone else because the deception is so big. We want more people to understand what is actually happening now and what is coming. And I really feel the Lord has shown me and I believe I can demonstrate it all to you with evidence. So I do believe every word of the canonized Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, that is the book that God put together. That is what I base my faith and my beliefs on. I have read, you know, some of Enoch. I've read some of these other writings that were not canonized, I take them with a grain of salt. I think there's a lot of truths in those, but they're not my Bible. Okay. The other thing is, I believe in gifts of tongues and healings, etc. And I do want to read some scripture to you today. Uh, this is going to be basically the only scriptures that I read um, today because I just have so much stuff to go through. Um, oh, I had it pulled up, but then I changed it to <laughs> I have Deuteronomy. Oh, you know what? Maybe maybe this was something God did, because I had another scripture lined up, but I was looking at this, and I forgot to go back to scripture. So let me just read you Deuteronomy as well. Um, I'm reading from Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. When you enter the land in which the Lord God is giving you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughters pass through fire. One who uses divination, a soothsayer, sayer, one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who consults the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And we're going to be revisiting this particular scripture many, many times as we go forward. Uh, but let me pull up the scripture that I had. I, I apologize. I should have and uh, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to read from verse 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Holy Spirit says Jesus is accursed. You can't do it. But listen to this. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, 
you got to be the Berean on this because I'm going to give you an interpretation of that. Because occultists say Jesus is Lord. Even the devil says that Jesus is Lord. You can't mean it in your heart that he's Lord of your life unless you have the Holy Spirit in you. So don't just think that if anyone, just anyone who proclaims Jesus is born again. Actors do it in the movies. Why not? People can do things. I just, I'm adding there, but that's my interpretation. Tell me if I'm wrong in the comments. Verse four. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit and to another affecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit, all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he, speaking of the Lord, wills. So I do believe in all of those things. But if you've been following the show for a while, Satan is a counterfeit of these things. And Satan is targeting the Christian. He already has the other faiths. If Jesus is the only way, then if you're a Buddhist, you could be the greatest guy in the world. If you're a, a Jew who hasn't, you know, God's chosen people, so they say, but you haven't accepted Christ, my Bible says that you don't have salvation. If you're agnostic, you're an unbeliever, you could be the greatest person in the world. You don't have salvation. In fact, the Bible says that any of those are antichrists. That's Jesus' words, not mine. So having said that, let's get back to the uh, slides. I'm, so I believe in the different offices. I do believe in apostles. I do believe in prophets. I do believe in teachers. I do believe in pastors. And here's another thing I believe. And by the way, I'll make this bigger so in case you want to screenshot it. I believe there is no question Azusa Street meetings had spiritualists, mediums, hypnotists, and others interested in the occult. Verse 5. 
they were flocking to these meetings. And many of the public actually were showing up just to be outside of the meetings and stuff like that because it was such a show. It was, it was freaky to many, many people. Um, and by the way, a lot of this stuff is a little bit harder to find because there's a lot of money in these different movements and they pay for, you know, to come up in ranking on the internet above the other ones and stuff like that. Because let's face it, uh, some of these movements that are going to be mentioned in this series uh, have a lot of money at stake. So to look at the Azusa Street uh, revival, we need to go back a few years. And I'm going to start with someone named Frank W. Sandford. So he was a guy, and this is in the late 1800s, you know, the end is near. The end is near. We got to do this stuff. Listen, he's a cult leader. Um, did he have some miracles? Yeah, he did. Um, he had a miracle in his life and then went on and, you know, started ministries. And I could go so far down the road with this guy. Um, but he started the ministry. And he went around, um, there's a lot of bad stuff that happened, folks. And he established a commune, which he named Shiloh. It went through a few different names, but it became Shiloh. <laughs> Sorry, Shiloh. <laughs> that was just the name of it. Uh, it was in Maine, by the way, in the United States. He was an autocrat. He believed in absolute loyalty. Inside of this commune, which was essentially a really massive house with many rooms, um, he was putting together a church for the end days. And so these people felt they were chosen to be these super Christians and they had to leave, lead the most holy lives because he had seen a vision of, well, he'd seen the word, he said, claims, apocalypse so he was gathering people into this cult uh for preparation and they were to do nothing but rely on god for their subsistence by the way this sounds like jim jones modern times you know drink the kool-aid guy um it comes from this stream folks there's been lots of them and uh and these people are all responsible for many deaths, just like Jim Jones. Jim Jones came from here. I want you to follow that. We'll get to him. So he believed in absolute loyalty. Even if you disagreed with him, if you read something different in the Bible, it was not good for him. His vision superseded all things, and he led very strictly. To get into it, because it was the end of the world, of course, uh, followers brought their savings. They would sell their houses and bring their savings to give it all to them. And then he put them to work. 
and they worked for free because they were to depend on God and God only for their subsistence. He would starve them. He would call for fasts and he would starve these people. And we're talking families. And there are stories uh, reported in newspapers of people that were in there. And there was like a, a nursery on one of the upper floors where the babies would go and they would be taken care of while people were working and were when people were doing their prayers and the different things. And he even had the babies fast. Babies. And the, the claims of the people were the screams from these babies were so horrific. It doesn't matter what you believed. They were so horrific. And there was actually a couple people who died because of the forced starvation that he put these people under. He declared himself both Elijah, the reincarnation of Elijah, and of King David, whom he said were the two witnesses for the end times. Him, him and his buddy, I should say, were the two witnesses for the end times and that he would be martyred in the streets. By the way, I think that it's actually Elijah and Moses. That's my opinion on the two witnesses. Time will tell. So, you know, this is a guy who really propped himself up and made himself super special. Um, he was actually uh, arrested, uh, convicted on manslaughter, uh, and served a number of years in jail because of... Uh, so he's convicted on manslaughter and cruelty to children. And he is one of these guys that had the beliefs of what is now, you know, the word of faith movement. He believed in the divine healings and tongues. He wasn't as strict on tongues as the next guy we're going to talk about, but he certainly believed in it. And he believed in it enough that they had bought a boat called the Coronet. And he sent the Coronet out to evangelize the world because the gospel had to go around the world. So he gets this boat, and let me tell you, the oceans are pretty rough. <laughs> and he sent all these people. Uh, he had about 300 in his commune. And he sent, I think it was 66, out to go evangelize the world. And what he had told them is that when they got to the different continents, they were just supposed to park there and pray and break the strongholds, hear these words, break the strongholds over those areas. We're going to get into that teaching a little bit later on in the series. Hold your belt buckle for that one. But what the people who went there found was when they got there, they didn't get the gift of tongues as they were promised. And people, like when they got to India, could not understand them. They didn't get the gift of tongues. You know what? I'm going to just read something real quick to you. Um, this is a little story about the boat, and I think it's worthwhile hearing. It's not very long. This is from Christianity.com. 
and uh, by Shirley Nelson. Early one morning in October 1911, maritime officials on duty at the harbor in Portland, Maine, stared with disbelief at a vessel slowly drifting towards them out of the mist. It took only a minute to identify the ship, the once famous racing sloop, the Coronet. Feared lost at sea for more than a month, suddenly there, was, there she was, appearing like a ghost of her once elegant self, encrusted with barnacles with shredded storm sails hanging from their masts. The yacht anchored at the medical inspection station and was boarded instantly by authorities who hoisted the yellow flag of quarantine. On board, they found deplorable conditions. 60 passengers, including women and children, in a space allocated for 30. 60 people in a space allocated for 30. Um, crowded into filthy water-soaked quarters, the crew to a man were thin and haggard, some barely able to stand. The worst cases of scurvy I have ever seen, the senior medical officer told the gathering reporters. In a matter of days, federal marshals arrested the owner of the vessel, Frank Weston Sandford, charging him with, with the deaths of six of his crew he had unlawfully, knowingly, and willfully refused to provide a ship at sea with proper food and staples. Uh, the indictment is attached. Sanford pleaded not guilty as the tragedy has occurred in the process of obeying a higher law, he told the court. He and his followers were carrying out the will and purposes of God for the end of the age, triumphant return of Jesus Christ. Um, so he used the gospel to say why he did not give them food. They had to only be supplied by God. Why am I talking about Frank W. Sanford? Well, let's go to the next slide. And I'll make it larger so you can screenshot it. Charles Fox Parnham studied at Shiloh under Sanford. This is one of his students. And by the way, he actually ended up being one of the teachers at the Shiloh Commune for a little while. Now, Charles Fox Parnham... Uh, he was in what they called the apostolic movement. And what this is, is it's the new apostles. He thought this is the birth of, you know, they use Acts 2. And I and I've been saying this, and I don't and I don't think it's false that we're called to be that church again. But they twist the words, and there's new apostles, and they're the highest authority. And in fact, apostles and prophets, their words supersede what is in the Bible. That's what this movement is about, okay? I want you to remember that. If the apostle or the prophet get a word, it's a new thing from God, therefore it is higher 
than what is in the written Bible. That's important for you to realize. Then, because he saw the success, and Sanford, I guess, made a lot of money doing Shiloh, having slave labor and not having to feed them and stuff, uh, he used that blueprint of Shiloh, the school, to establish his own school called Bethel. This is in 1899, folks. Bethel. Can you see where this series is going and why I'm showing you these people? It's all going to make sense. So there's a lot of false doctrine that comes out of this. Um, Charles Fox Parnham believed that if you did not speak in tongues, you did not have the Holy Spirit. I know that to be false. The word of God proves it false. We just read that scripture. To some he gives as he pleases. Okay. Um, he also believed in divine healing. In fact, he writes in his books that you were to teach healing as much as salvation. It was signs and wonders. You had to, it was just as important as the gospel that you teach healing. School of Bethel. And by the way, he did not believe that hell was real. So that kind of goes against the, the Bible. He was arrested for sodomy of a 14-year-old boy in Texas. These charges did not stick. And there's a bunch of theories on that. I don't know what to believe. He claimed he was innocent, but the evidence to me after examining it seems like he did it and got away with it. That's speculation. But listen to some other things about him, and maybe you'll understand my speculation. He preached that white people are the true Jews. He was a member of the KKK. He was a Freemason. So you know he's bringing occultic teachings. Uh, by the way, uh, there's something called, if you want to look this up, I, I didn't want to go into it uh, myself in this, but if you want to go into something called the Paramites, or Parhamites, so P-A-R-H-A-M-I-T-S, Paramites. Um, well, I'll just give you one of the headlines, uh, A Tale of Jesus, Pedophilia, Sodomy, and Strangulation. There you go. Um, that comes from him. So why did I talk about Charles Fox Parnham? Because William Seymour, who was the pastor and I guess the founder of the Azusa Street Revival, was Parnham's student. And he also taught at Parnham School. Now, there's a lot written about William Seymour 
Uh, and by the way, William Seymour is a black man. And even though Parnum was like a KKK member, he saw something special in William Seymour, this preacher who had come from Africa. So he took Seymour under his wing. Very unusual for someone who, you know, was into white supremacy or whatever you want to call it at the time. So William Seymour picked up on all of the teachings of Parnham and some a lot of false doctrines, and he started the Azusa Street. Um, and there's many writings saying that William Seymour would you know, pray for eight to 12 hours and that to have a word from the Lord. And I can see where that comes from. Um, it was havoc inside of there. It was, there was very little giving of the word of God or reading of the word of God. It was one of these chaotic places where anyone could come up and speak. Anyone could do things and there were the signs and wonders toward it, things and supernatural things happening. So when they say that he was, you know, being there quiet, he was just sitting to the side. And in fact, he, uh, I don't know how much he knew of the word of God, to tell you the truth. Um, I've read some of his writings and things like that. I'm not I'm not judging the man. Everyone goes through some deceptions. I don't know where his heart was. But it, the meetings were very chaotic. It was a circus. People would get off the train in that. They weren't interested in the faith at all, just to watch and see because it was a show. Um. And there were, and there's lots of evidence for this. There were orgies and sexual perversions happening, uh, sometimes in the service, and a lot of the times upstairs above the service, and even when the service was going on. Don't forget, there was a lot of occultic people there. There was hypnotists. There were mediums. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I'm going to change my settings. I'm going to show you a video, which I'm uh, probably going to show you in the coming weeks, a lot of stuff like this. For those of you who were listening on Podbean, uh, I'm going to be pausing the video and describing what is being seen on the screen. So those of you who uh, are watching it, pardon me for showing the screen or from for pausing it and letting everyone uh, understand what's going on. So what I'm going to show you is from the Toronto Blessing. So this happened, you know, in recent years. This is, uh, I guess, late 90s sort of thing. I forget. I think it started in 94 and it went into the 2000s. So I'm just going to share my screen here. And the opening scene that you're going to see on your screen here is what we call Dogman. 
And this guy is walking around like a dog on four on all fours. There's another dude sitting there shaking on the floor. And there is a woman who seems to be doing like a bunny rabbit from her knees. And this clip is going to be about two minutes. And there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to point out. And it's going to tie in a lot of the stuff in future shows. And quite honestly, I have a feeling that Azusa Street looked something like this. See dog man and bunny woman? Uncontrollable laughter in the background. Just uncontrollable. And laughter's good, folks. I love to laugh. I really do. But I don't think behavior like this comes from God. Dogman is now rolling over, doing rollover maneuvers like you'd have a dog do. Bunny woman is hopping around and flailing guy on the floor has got up to all fours and he's trying to do something. They think Toronto something. Wait till they come to Boston. Uh, that's what you call the birthing position. This guy is now on his back and his hands are in the air and his feet are like in the stirrups and he's running in place with uh, in a very compromising uh, view, in my opinion. Leave us to ourselves. Don't leave us to yes. our foolish thinking. Lord, we want all that you have, all, yes. all that you have. Yes. And he's saying all that you have and basically using hand gestures and pointing like blowing the spirit, like pushing it like a fan on these people that are on the ground. And Lord, if it blows our little minds, let them be blown. Father, we want all of what you have, all of what you have. We thank you. Ladies on the floor having spasms, jerking about. All right, I'm just going to tell you, this is the Kundalini spirit. Okay, Dogman is back, and Dogman now is being walked with a leash. And listen closely to what is said by the person that's doing the reporting on this. The Lord just reminded me of an old hymn, Where He Leads, I Will Follow. And they're talking about dog guy walking around on all fours, being held by a leash and this guy following him. This is blasphemous, folks. And he had a, God told me to look at him, and I looked at him, and he had a tie on, and on, I don't know if he's here tonight, but he'll know, on the tie had a wolf howling at the moon. And the Lord said to me, 
Will you howl for me? I said, don't ask me to do that, Lord. He said, if I ask you, will you do it? He said, if I can't ask you to do something in your own house, how are you going to do it out there? So. This is a woman preaching from the pulpit. Is that of God? I'm just going to ask you, is that of God? By the way, please give me a rumble on this and, uh, and you know, leave some comments. I want to read every one of them. I, I certainly appreciate all your comments. I got more on this, so just please hang by because my conclusion, I think, is probably the most important part of this uh, with all the stuff that I've looked at over the days and <laughs> spent a lot of time on this one. Um, and I've just had to cut it down. There's so much stuff that I could have shown. Uh, so, oh, sorry. I wanted to bring this back up, my slides. So there were e orgies and sexual perversions. Here's what some eyewitnesses <clears throat> that were at the Azusa Street Revival said. Arno Gabalian said, we are convinced that this movement is one which is not of God. And that's printed in our hope July of 1907. Harry Ironside called it the disgusting tongues movement and stated that superstition and fantasism of the grossest character find a hotbed in their midst. R.A. Tory said Pentecostalism is emphatically not of God and founded by a sodomite. Well, founded by a sodomite is true. G. Campbell Morgan, and by the way, these people that I'm reading, these names, went on to be Bible teachers, very credible Bible teachers for many years. So that's important for you to know. G. Campbell Morgan called Azusa Street Pentecostalism the last vomit of Satan. This is um, something that I found today. I haven't had time to contemplate it much, but this is worth contemplating. When was the uh, first time that tongues are seen in the Bible? Let me read this. Brethren Minister Lewis Bauman wrote in 1941, Probably the most widespread of all satanic phenomena today is the demonic imitation of the apostolic gift of tongues. 
So he's not coming against tongues. He's saying the demonic imitation of the apostolic gift of tongues. He further asserted the first miracle that Satan ever wrought was to cause the serpent to speak in a tongue. It would appear he is still working his original miracle. It's worth considering. It's worth considering. As I said at the beginning, I believe in tongues. I believe in healings. But I also believe that Satan is an imitator. And I do know, it's not just I believe, I know that the Christians, the church, is the target of Satan. He has everyone else. You really have to, uh, I, those are my words, but I really want you to know that I believe them to be true. And if you seek out the scriptures, you're going to find them to be true as well. If you're not of Christ, you're an antichrist. There's two types of people, of Christ and against Christ. That's it. Uh, I think this is my last slide. My conclusion. In the midst of the orgies, the occult practitioners, in the midst of all of this, God was there. And those two children who you saw at the very beginning of this broadcast, who were adults, who had healing last for 70 years, God was there. And they were children at the time of the Azusa Street Revival. And I think he protected their minds. He didn't let them see some of the other stuff because he loves his children. And by the way, there were other miracles. There was a, a man who apparently had a stump for a right arm, and his arm grew out in within a minute in front of everyone, and he had a functioning arm. If the devil does something and the devil's imitating God, God is not afraid of going in there. And there's so many people who go into these places and there's some pulpits that have wolves on them, okay? But people go into those churches with a heart to seek God. And God is there. We know of some names of preachers who were 33rd degree Masons and stuff like that, and yet they were some of the most powerful moves of God. And it's not because of them. It's because God was there. I was at the Toronto Blessing. I went there probably about eight times because I was trying to figure it out. And I knew that there was something wrong. But I was curious. I didn't write it off at first. I needed to get to understand it. And it was just after seeing so many times um, the demonstrations that were going on there, I was very conclusive in my own opinion that although there were people who were there that were legitimately seeking God, 
God was there, but more people were there for the signs and wonders than were there to seek God. Most of those people, and I'm making a general statement, I know it's dangerous to do this, but they have, their worship is very repetitive. And, and good musicians, very repetitive, somewhat hypnotic. Some might say even sexual, not outwardly, but there is a uh, alluring in it. And there's not a word of reading of the word of God. It's a lot of the Lord told me this and I'm telling you, I got this new revelation and this is it. And then signs and wonders. And just going back to that very first uh, scripture that I read in Deuteronomy, when it said you should not go through the fire. Well, we're not talking about the refiner's fire, which is the purification that comes from God. But in these circles, I, and I remember this at the Toronto church, they would do something called a fire tunnel where people would line up two lines. They would have hands like this to form like a tunnel. And then people would run through it and they'd come out barking like dogs and doing crazy things. And, you know, when you think about it, where does it say in the scripture to, for us, to pray for fire on people. Is that kind of like, I don't know where it comes from, but I don't see it in the Bible. Uh, prove me wrong. I like to see that. I don't know the Bible in and out. I could have missed it, but I didn't see the apostles or the early church doing fire tunnels. And I didn't see them having prophetic words that superseded God's word. So, was the Azusa Street revival godly or demonic? Or was it both? I'll let you decide and... You're going to see a pattern in things as we uh, we go through, and we're going to get to modern day probably a week, week and a half away. But it's uh, it's going to be good. Um, God bless each and every one of you for being here. Remember, uh, my Liberty Stand. See what we're doing. Go to just send me an email with my Liberty Stand in the uh, subject to write on Jeff at Gmail .com. and. You know, start thinking about Reckoning Fest and, you know, there's not a lot of time to get that 10% discount. So, you know, take advantage of it. 10% is significant. You know, it's about 30 bucks. And, hey, 30 bucks is 30 bucks. But I'd love to see you there and we'll spend some time together. I'll spend time with each and every one of you who show up. That's my promise. And, in fact, if you buy, so put in right on in the coupon code on the Reckoning Fest website, and then even send me a note and just tell me that you bought tickets so I can look out for you. Maybe I'll bring a gift for you of some kind. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And remember to love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community. <laughs>